Hello and welcome back to the all new, all different number one comics podcast episode number 59. That's right, Bob. We are one episode away from episode number 60. Uh, I know. Wow. We're old. Uh, I'm Dan. That's Bob. Say hello, Bob. Hello, Bob. We are a comic book podcast where each and every episode we take a look at a brand new uh, first issue Issue number one. How do I usually word that? I don't know. A brand new first issue. <laughs> we take a look at the story beats and I mean, it's art. gonna be a first issue. If it's right. Brand new. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> we we take a look at the story and art, give it someone to review, and let you know if we think that you should move on to issue number two or not. We also talk a little bit of comic book and related news, as well as what's new at comic book shops this and next week. Bob, this week we're gonna be taking a deep dive into a new number one from Marvel Comics. From the House of Ideas, What If Venom Number One. What If Venom Number One? What If Venom Number One, Bob? We're going to take a quick break and we'll be back in just a moment. Welcome back to the all new, all different number one comics podcast, episode number 59, Bob. It's not 60. What's wrong with you? We're not 60 yet. We're only 59. We Um, don't round up, (laughs) we round down. We're going to talk a little bit of comic book news. That's right, comic book news somewhat exists this week, so let's talk about it. Bob, there is. Actually, I meant to uh, show you an image before we started this, so I'm going to have you do a quick Google search uh, before we really talk about it here, but I want you to look at Bill Skarsgård as the crow. Oh, no. (laughs) You've already done it on your own. Well, no. It it popped up on my Facebook feed. Amazing. Amazing. So you have already seen this first first image. So let's... You know, let's set the scene really quick. Of course, I, I don't know if you were a big fan of the Crow movie in the 90s. I, yeah, I like the Crow movie. Yeah, likewise. I like the Crow. I tried to read uh, some Crow comics. Not really my thing. A little a little too 90s indie comic to me. But, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I don't have any problem with it. It's just, you know, not my thing. Now, this, sorry, this movie is scheduled to come out June 7th of this year. And like I said, we have Bill Skarsgård in that role as Eric Draven. Eric, Eric Draven. Draven. Okay, okay, good, good. Uh, Eric Draven. I did actually just rewatch the the movie pretty recently. Huh. I want to say maybe about a month ago or something. Much uh, easier to comprehend than the Batman. Easier to see things on the screen. And it was a really dark movie. So I'm really impressed by that. It was that. a very dark movie. It was. So what are your thoughts on, on the Crow movie? Like You're a fan of the original Crow Um yeah, I'm 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 a fan. I mean, it, it was uh, it was definitely a product of the times. I'm yes. not gonna say it doesn't hold up nowadays. Sure, but I mean, it just doesn't hold up as much, in my opinion. Nowadays. It's it, it's really funny because it's you know really tropey in parts. I really I I like, and I'm not gonna remember any of the characters' names here, but the little girl. You know our our uh, the little skateboarding yeah, I, girl I who who's you know she's friends with with Eric and all. Of I remember that. a few names from that movie, but not mm-hmm. a whole lot. Yeah, there was I, I don't know. It had this really interesting vibe to it, and of course we had I I don't rem- I don't know if this came out before the Spawn live action movie or after or around the same time. I, I feel like it was pretty close to around the same time. Yeah, really hard to tell, especially without that information. I think it was. I think it was around the same time. Yes, but it's just funny. It's it's really tropey, but it's but it's still good. Like they did a good job with it. Brendan Lee did a really good job. He really did. Yeah, he he, he really, did. really impressed with his performance. So sad that his life got cut short there, mm-hmm. filming that movie and everything. 
so are you excited for this reboot of of, of the crow or are you i am and you know i i like uh i like bill skarsgård as too. an actor so i'm very interested to see how his performance is i'm not gonna lie though i did look at the um image mm-hmm, on mm-hmm. facebook it was is him is air draven for some reason i got just now this is just going by the look mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um for some reason i got jared leto oh yeah. Joker <laughs> yeah well that that's that was my next question you know are, are we getting are we getting a, a jared leto <laughs> joker version of the crew yeah it's better acted yeah oh yeah well much better acted but <laughs> It's it's very interesting because I there was so much backlash to that and everything and that look, and now they're kind of doing the same thing with the crow. It's kind of weird and also I think I get updating the character, you know, right. to to reflect right. the current times. Right. It makes sense and, and all of that. I don't have a problem necessarily with the character having tattoos or anything like that. I think that you know if I, I I'm not too sure. You know, just knowing what I know about the little tiny bit that I've read of Crow comics. And then, you know, watching that first movie and everything, it would seem that if Eric had any tattoos, they should be like very important to him. You know, yeah. he's kind of that kind of guy. And I'm not sure that some of those are. I mean, we have one that's like a face with like a nipple eye. <laughs> that's an interesting tattoo. He's got, you know, one over his uh, eyebrow and, and all of this. I, I don't know. Again, it reflects more like modern times. I get it. I don't know why they ditched the long hair. I thought that that was kind of weird. Yeah, that's that's. I mean that's not the biggest the biggest you know design choice you can mm-hmm. make in the movie. Yeah. But I mean seeing Eric Draven without long hair that's Yeah, just the short hair was really weird odd. and we're in the middle of a 90s resurgence right now. Yeah. Kids, high school kids and stuff like that, you know, are growing their hair long. They're they're doing that old 90s thing where they do like the undercut uh they're you know, listening to bands from the 90s, it's a huge 90s resurgence. So to step so far away from the 90s and make this look like, I don't know, he kind of looks like he's a SoundCloud rapper from the, the early 2010s or something. I'm, I'm not too sure. I don't know exactly what's going on there. I'm a little hesitant of that, but I do trust Bill Skarsgård. Like he mm-hmm. hasn't really done anything questionable up to this point. So that's that's good. I don't know. It's it's interesting. I so mean, we don't we eh, we already know he can play creepy. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> if you saw it, you know he can play. Creepy. Oh yeah, yeah. He had no problem being a creature. Um, yeah. Uh, interesting though. I I can't wait to see some more. I definitely can't wait to see a trailer. All of that. So mm-hmm. that's just you know a, a little something. Uh, Bob, this is another small piece of news, but. The actor who is going to be portraying Ben Grimm in the Fantastic Four movie was on a talk show or doing an interview or something, and he announced that, you know, there's not going to be any practical suit. Like, this is going to be CG whenever the character transforms into the thing. So we're getting, like, an all-CG thing. Yeah, <laughs> you're you're at a loss for words. I got it. I don't know how I feel about an all-CG thing. I... I think that there has to be it's it's weird because you can do all CG very well at this point mm-hmm. but you've got to really really work hard uh make sure you don't cut any corners 
whenever they're cutting corners on CG, you can really tell. Oh yeah, and it looks bad. Oh yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> and and just and just like just like anything in any movie, if you can't tell the difference between the real or fake, mm-hmm. then you're doing your job. Yes, exactly, exactly. Yeah, I I think this is an interesting choice. No practical suit components or anything whatsoever. Just pure CG. Once once he's transformed into the thing. So I'm get I'm guessing it's gonna be mocap. Oh yeah, I'm I'm sure. I'm 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 pretty sure. Uh, I don't know. This is <laughs> again another another like little I interesting. I mean, it, it did work for Mark Ruffalo, so I do yeah. have hopes that they can pull it off. But then in the back of my mind, you know, there's that whole I know if the CG isn't perfect, mm-hmm. then it can look really cheesy really bad yeah i mean we've had some really bad cg effects in in the mcu that first fight scene in black panther was really iffy looking we have that now i know it's been a while since wolverine origins but oh, <laughs> there was some claws. very questionable cg there yeah yeah so so we'll see but i mean i i, I think you know look at spider-man or something and he's a completely costumed character but you know he's He's pretty much all CG. I don't. I don't think there's any practical involved in that whatsoever. So, hopefully, it'll be okay. I think the biggest problem is is going to be the face. Mm-hmm. You know, having a CG face can be very questionable if they don't pull it off really, really well. So, we'll have to see how that goes. Next up, I want to talk about some additional printings. We are getting second printings for Cemetery Kids Don't Die Number One from Oni Press. That came out, I believe, last week. Also from Image Comics, Six Fingers, issue number one. From Marvel Comics, and both of these, you know, coming out this week, mm-hmm. we're getting a second printing for Spider-Punk Arms Race, number one, as well as this book that we're talking about today, What If Venom, number wow. one, already going to a second press. Wow. Very, very cool. Ultimate Spider-Man, number one, is going back for a fourth pressing. Ultimate Black Panther, number one, is getting a third pressing. From Image, Skybound, Void Rivals. Bob, Void Rivals is going to its seventh printing. Void Rivals number one, seventh Ooh, printing. wow. Yeah, crazy. We're getting into killing joke territory now. <laughs> right? I don't know what they're going to do to differentiate these things. Issue number two is getting a sixth printing. Issue number six is getting a third printing. And Duke number one has a third printing. And issue number two is getting a second printing also. Wow. So... Some big, big uh, printings there. And we're going to circle back around in the news to Transformers. So uh, beyond the – well, I know we weren't just talking Transformers, but, you know, the Energon universe. So so be on the lookout for that. Uh, a small little bit of news, the 1989 Marvel book Neuromancer is getting a 10-episode Apple TV show. Now, I know nothing about that. Yeah, I, I really don't know anything about it either. I just got an alert on Key Collector. You know, that's really the only thing I know about it. Mm-hmm. It's a William Gibson novel. And novel, uh, I, I guess graphic novel is what, you know, they, they mean to say here. But it's a 48-page, I'm sorry, it's a 48-page adaptation of the William Gibson novel about a cyber-dominated future where humans live out their lives in virtual reality weird right because so the matrix yeah we're something it seems i don't know it seems really odd because 
don't you feel like all these virtual reality things took place like in the 80s and early 90s? Like, yeah, why are we seeing I, media? I really like, do. yeah, it seems like so old and tired at this point. Like, we've yeah. seen so much of it. I, yeah, I really do. Even whenever. Uh, were you a fan of Black Mirror? Did you watch any Black Mirror oh, at yeah. all? Yeah. Okay, so there was a Black Mirror episode that was. There was a few that were based in virtual reality, but one that was like. I, I can't remember exactly what it was called or what was going on, but I think that basically people were dying and they ended up in this like virtual reality type world. They were like older and on, de you know, on their deathbed and they were in virtual reality as like younger characters, like at like a cool, like spring break resort type of thing or something. Uh, it, even then, like it seemed tired, you know, it, it seemed, it, you know, to get a black mirror episode that, that seems like a little, I don't know, tired or whatever, because, you know, they always try to bring in that technology aspect and it's like virtual reality. Come on. What are we like lawnmower man? <laughs> What's going yeah. on here? Uh, so really interesting. Yeah. <laughs> really interesting that we're trying to do like a virtual reality thing right now. So hopefully this is good. I don't know. I think one of the things that I really don't like about virtual reality stuff is like that dark spin they have to put on it. Cause it's like, again, we've seen it so many times and it's just, uh, what are the implications? Yeah, and, you, you, you want to talk about a trope. Yeah, exactly. Like, what else can really be said about this? Okay, we get it. You know, it's 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 weird. Whatever. That's a great uh, noise. First appearance of the dogs barking, uh, sneezing, coughing, whatever they're doing in this episode. Uh, also, Bob, Amazon announced that they have optioned three of Brian Michael Bendis' comics. Uh, that they're going to be turning into, I don't know, shows or movies or whatever they're doing with these. But that is Pearl, United States of Murder, Inc., and Jinx. I haven't read any of those. I don't know if you've read any. I honestly have not heard of any of them. I've heard of all of them. And I have all of the first issues of them. But oh. I, yeah, I, I, I don't think I read any of them. Sorry to say. Also, last up in news, um, Bob, would you like to guess... What the number one, as far as selling number of units, comic book was for 2023. For, oh, for 2023? Yes. As far as number of units? Yes, number of units sold. Now, are we talking about, you know, multiple printings or are we just talking about... No, just just the, the first printings. <sighs> right? I can put the Jeopardy music in here underneath it. Uh, then I guess they probably take down our episode on YouTube, though. I could do it myself, but I, you know, I have perfect pitch, so I might. <laughs> is it? Is it from one of the big two? No. Even harder. Transformers number one, Bob. Nice. The number one selling single issue. You know, I, I should have guessed that, especially <laughs> from the clue you gave me right? earlier. Right? I said we'd circle around. around. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, did, I didn't put two and two together. Yeah. So Daniel Warren Johnson's Transformers number one. Uh, wow. Really interesting. A really great book. Of course, you and I both read it. We both really liked it. And then, and then you go into the subsequent printings, mm -hmm. and it's like, Look how many more copies <laughs> of number one that were put out. Just really interesting to think in in uh you know comic books you know that's dominated by superheroes mm. 
and obviously the big two that transformers you know not 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 to say that transformers isn't like a you know hero book it is but it's not your traditional like you yeah, know superhero exactly. format exactly. um so transformers you know that breaks out from from a, a a really big indie publisher but still an indie publisher mm-hmm. and is you know not like a batman or spider-man or superman right. book like you know something something completely different can be the number one comic book sold well and i think um i think one thing that uh fuels it is you know transformers is just such a big brand i mean you know um people who grew up on it you mm-hmm. know of course like i've said on the podcast many times you know i definitely grew up on yep. it I mean, I know, I know there's a big Transformers following, and I'm not saying, you know, that's the reason why, Mm -hmm. and I'm not saying, you know, every Transformers fan is a comic book fan, but there's just such a big following that, you know, um, I'm sure you get a lot of people who are, you know, fans of cartoons, toys, and Mm -hmm. all that, who were also buying comic books. Well, that was going to be my next question to you. Do you think that Transformers number one brought in non-comic book fans to the comic book shop to pick up a copy? I do. I wouldn't be surprised mm-hmm. if it happened. Yeah, likewise. I mean, again, you know, somebody, you know, you know, like me who, you know, grew up on the toys and the cartoons and all that, you know, of course I was a comic book fan already. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I was going to buy it nonetheless. But even if I wasn't a comic book fan and I saw, oh, Transformers has a comic, or Transformers is having a comic uh, coming out. Okay, I'll pick it up. Yeah, it makes me wonder, you know, what will happen whenever G.I. Joe is finally assembled and turned into a G.I. Joe number one. You, you know, how the numbers will will be for that. I wonder what the bigger franchise is. I, I don't know. You know, if, if Transformers is bigger than G.I. Joe or vice versa, it'll be interesting to see what happens there. I think is, um... I mean, of course, we did have, you know, uh, huge blockbuster films with Transformers, though. So I guess that does kind of have an upper hand. But Blockbuster films, yes, good films. I didn't say they were good, but I mean, they generated some revenue. Probably so. not. <laughs> yeah. uh, they... They they brought the uh, robots in disguise to the zeitgeist of uh, you know Except the general the movie building audience. Film. That one was <laughs> that was the that good one. That one was the best one. It all went downhill from there. Ouch. Well, uh, last but not least, and a little bit of you know sad news. Uh, maybe not traditionally sad, but sad to me. <laughs> I you know the inevitable finally happened. I told you this off air. Uh, we've recorded you know countless interviews at this point we've done 59 episodes proper of this podcast it finally happened i did a creator interview it was awesome it was with Derek kirk kim we talked all about the last mermaid uh, from image comics coming out and i lost the interview so there i I've, i've done everything i can and there's absolutely no way to retrieve it uh, I, of course, will be reaching out to Derek before this publishes so he doesn't hear it on the podcast and he hears it in an email. But hopefully look forward to, uh, you know, maybe us doing like a quick, I don't know, a quick interview to get up on, on, on the podcast. We'll have to see if that can fit Derek's schedule or not. But that interview is lost. So this is an interviewless episode. Yeah. 
for the first time in a while, you know, this will just be a regular episode. So. Well, in you know, I'll, I'll just say, I mean, shit happens. It sure does. I mean, <laughs> look at how many interviews we've done so far, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. you know, that hasn't happened. So, I mean, unfortunately, now that it's happened once, the odds are likely it will happen again. As you know, it. As stuff like that happens all the time, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. once it happens once, it'll probably happen again. Yep. But I mean, you know, inevitably it was going to happen. You know, luckily it happened a little bit early in our in you know our interviews. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So hopefully it won't happen again. I mean, if it if it does, then unfortunately it does. Well, let me just say that, you know, everything that Derek said uh, about the book, very, very cool. And talking with Derek was a really cool experience. The guys worked on, he, he was a uh, character designer on the Adventure Time uh, cartoon okay. show. So okay. a really, really oh, cool wow. animator yeah. and comic book writer. Really, really all around cool guy who was really, really awesome to talk to. Again, hopefully I can have him back on to talk to you guys about this book or, or you know, any other project that he wants. But yeah, sadly that interview was lost. But I do ask you guys all to make sure that you pick up The Last Mermaid issue number one from your local comic book shops. Uh, make sure that you you know, grab those. Make sure you ask your local comic book shop to put it on your pool and all of that. And I'm going to get you that release date right now because I don't have it off the, off the dome. But um, that is, yeah, that's coming out. <laughs> yeah, see, this was perfect because that was coming out uh, next Wednesday. So on okay. March 6th. So it would have been great to have, you know, some press out yeah. there for the book. So, yeah. yeah, I'm really, I'm really sad we lost that. But yeah, make sure, you know, 100%, you guys pick those up. Hit your local comic book shops up now. Let them know to add The Last Mermaid number one to your pool. Uh, and, and, and yeah, check that out. So I'm so sorry we lost that. <laughs> we'll be back in just a moment. And we are back with episode number 59 of the all new, all different number one comics podcast. Bob, let's talk about some books that dropped in comic book shops this very week. There might be, there might still be time to, to go grab a copy or whatever. We're recording this on Thursday. So a little bit later this week than normal, but you still might be able to find some of these at your local shops or online from dark horse comics. We got avatar frontiers of Pandora issue number one and this is a six issue mini series this is I, I don't know solex journey i'm not sure how to say characters of avatar so uh this is yeah six issue mini series based on ubisoft's video game avatar frontiers of pandora so if you're an avatar fan or a ubisoft fan or a fan of blue alien creatures pick this up Next up from Marvel Comics, we got Avengers Twilight issue number three. This has been a really cool series so far. Of course, only two, now three issues in. This one has the first appearance of James Stark in armor. That, of course, is Tony Stark's son. And he's taking over the uh, Iron Man reigns, the Iron Man suit. I don't I don't know how you're supposed to say that. but you know, they, they, I mean, this has been a really cool series. Like, really cool, and right? It's, it's been... I don't know if I can say more superhero, more uh, spy thriller. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, it's it's really good, and it's 
I, I think this is going to be a classic run, like whenever it wraps up. I think that this is going to be a book that people are always, you know, going to talk about. This is this is going to be up there. So, and it doesn't hurt that it has these amazing covers as well. No. Uh, next up for Marvel Comics, we got Giant Size Fantastic Four number one. This has the first appearance of Natlas, a forgotten king of Atlantis. Okay. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> didn't, didn't really think too long on that name, did you? No, I don't think so. Um, we, of course, have What If Venom Number 1, the uh, book we're talking about today. It's a five-issue limited series that reimagines the Venom symbiote's early days, bonding to different characters. I love that like, little, little tiny synopsis there because it makes you think that it's going to go one way or... Not necessarily go one way because I'm sure it will go that way, but there's so much more to it than that. <laughs> it's really interesting. Um, says here we got Invincible Iron Man 15. I think that that's a misprint or something. I, I didn't see that in my shop this week at all. So I'm going to say that maybe we don't have that one this week, but it does have the debut of Mark 72 Mysterium Armor. So if that came out for you, pick it up. If it didn't, I don't know. We also got Miles Morales, Spider-Man, issue 17, the first appearance of Zip Zephyr. That's a name. Very, uh, Marvel loves their alliterative <laughs> names, don't they? They sure as hell do. <laughs> we got Power Girl, issue number six from DC Comics. This one's got a 1 in 25 variant cover by Dan Pinotion that looks really, really cool. Maybe pick that up if you can still find a copy. Bob, from Titan Comics, Titan began printing Savage Sword of Conan. So we have an 80-page premiere issue with Conan and Solomon Kane, And it's got pinups inside, too. It's uh, black and white. It's newsprint on the inside. Oh. It's a cool comic, but I will say, you know, to all you publishers listening, I'm tired of the magazine-style, you know, sized books. Like, yeah. Distillery's doing them for every single issue now. We just got one from, uh, I, I don't know, it might have been, it wasn't Aftershock because I don't think they print books anymore, but I, I don't know, it might have been Mad Cave or something, but we just got, Matt Kent just put one out like a couple of weeks ago. We're getting, there's just too many, like, and there's nowhere to store them. They, I don't know, they just kind of suck. Like, why not just uh, print it as a regular comic book? I don't understand, like, what the benefit is. Maybe you can fit more on the page. I mean, I, I guess that's nice, but yeah, not not worth it to me. Um, I did pick it up, though, so I've got a copy. The corner's dinged. I'm very upset. <laughs> you know, uh, whatever. Uh, for Marvel Comics, we got the second volume of Spider-Punk. This is Spider-Punk Arms Race, number one, of course, written by Cody Ziegler. This is a four-issue limited series. I started to read this last night, but I didn't finish. Um, <clears throat> it's a little wordy, but it's... It looks amazing inside. I'll definitely give it that. And it's action-packed. There's a lot going on. Really, really cool. The cover to this is amazing. Um, really fun comic. Again, I think you have to... If, if you're preparing to read this one, just know you got to sit down and read for a little bit. It's not like going to be a quick uh, you know, five-minute read like, like some other comics. We got Star Wars Thrawn Alliances, issue number two. Bob, did this actually drop this week? I'm not too sure. No. Yeah, I, I don't remember seeing that in shops either. So I, I think... There we go. That's a lie. It, it, it actually <laughs> dropped a few weeks ago. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, sorry. Key collector a little off this week. Uh, and, and we have Women of Marvel, issue number one, of course, volume five. 
This is an anthology of stories. And yeah, it's it's starring the women of Marvel, <clears throat> written by a whole bunch of people and illustrated by a whole bunch of people. So check that out. Erica Schultz is in there though. So and Gail Simone, um, you know, you know you're gonna get your money's worth out of those two at the very least. So mm-hmm. definitely check that out. Those are just some of the books that hit shops this week. Again, we're gonna take a very quick break and we will return with our review of what if Venom number. <laughs> And we are back. Bob, this is the all-new, all-different number one comics podcast, episode number 59, just in case you forgot where we were (laughs) or what this show was. Um, Let's talk about the book that we're covering this week. We are talking a Marvel book. We're back at Marvel. We're back. uh, We've got a what if. Always exciting to do what if. The reason that we kind of chose this one, not only does it sound like an amazing concept, uh, again, we didn't necessarily choose it. We we chose to put it on the wheel, um, but it's a great concept. Of course, we know the creator, Jeremy Holt, is very, very awesome, really good writer, really creative. And on top of that, this one's a little bit uh, different than, than a normal what if. It's not your traditional what if, like one shot type of thing. This is an ongoing storyline going through five issues. So Bob and I feel very, very comfortable reviewing this and telling you if we think that you should add issue number two to your pool list or not. Um, So that is the reason you're getting a what if on here. I know that, you know, people might be tuning in thinking, what ifs are one shots? Why the hell are you doing what if? This is a little bit different. So that's why I want to read the synopsis from Marvel really quick. Years ago in a familiar church tower, the Venom symbiote was spurned by Peter Parker and found a willing host in the vengeful and wrathful Eddie Brock. Or at least that's the story you know. From Marvel's rising stars, Jeremy Holt and Jesus Hervas, comes an all-new look at what makes the Marvel Universe most sinister symbiote tick. With a journey that reimagines its earliest days bonded to a host with rage and temper entirely different from those of Eddie Brock. I think that that's a, a really good synopsis of this book. Um uh, doesn't give anything away and uh, is is pretty, I don't know, true to the story we got there. Let's talk about the creators. You know, we had Jeremy Holt on just a little while ago to talk about this book, um, you know, to give us some insight on what's going to be going on in this book and everything. So if you want to circle back around and check that out, you know, definitely worth it. Really, really cool interview. Jeremy, a very, very cool person. I really enjoyed talking to Jeremy. You know, you can definitely hear a lot more about what Jeremy has done in that interview, but I'll just go over a couple of credits really quick. Jeremy did Made in Korea for Image Comics in 2021. And if you have not read Made in Korea, it is such an outstanding book. It's really, really good. It's seven issues. It's insane. Um, Just a really cool, really, really cool book. There's not really any way to talk about it without like kind of giving it away. So I won't just know it's a, a really awesome book. Jeremy also did from Action Lab Comics back in 2014, Southern Dog, and did After Houdini from Insight Comics. Also did some work on DC for DC Pride 2023, Marvel Voices Identity 2021, uh, Gatsby from AWA, 
and yeah, there's just there's been some really really cool stuff that Jeremy has done. Skinned from Monkey Brain, or yeah, Skinned from Monkey Brain Comics. There's there's been some really cool credits to uh, Jeremy's name. So yeah, definitely go check those out. Let's talk about Jesus Hervaz. We've talked about Jesus on this before because Jesus did. Um, well, Jesus is doing Invasive with Colin Bunn right now for Ani, which we covered on the show. Mm-hmm. Really, really cool book with some really awesome artwork in it as well. Jesus did Penny Dreadful for Titan from 2017 to 2018. Worked on Hellraiser from Boom Studios. The Empty Man with Colin Bunn again uh, from Boom Studios back in 2018. The Approach from Boom Studios from 2022. Blade Runner Origins. And one of a book that you and I really loved a lot that Kyle Starks wrote, Marvel Unleashed. So yeah. we're very familiar with Jesus's artwork here mm-hmm. on the show. <clears throat> I dare to say that I really, really love it a lot. And we're going to, I mean, there's a different style in this book. So we'll definitely talk about that. But mm-hmm. yeah, just we're, we've talked about Jesus, you know, quite a bit on this podcast, which is really cool. I want to get into my synopsis really quick before we uh, do our breakdown of the book. What if Venom number one opens with Jennifer Walters, a.k.a. She-Hulk, working in an office building in New York City? Jen, completely overworked and tired, stays late working on a case. Later, we follow her to Our Lady of Saints Church in Hell's Kitchen. She follows in Eddie Brock and stops him from shooting himself. The Venom symbiote hides in the shadows and chooses to bond with Jennifer. The symbiote takes over and we see Jen the next morning wake up in her bed. Feeling completely exhausted, she heads back to the office. And we see as she sleeps, the symbiote takes over and terrorizes the city. Flash over to Central Park, a group of, sorry, a group gathers and talks about a Central Park boogeyman and makes a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles joke because I had to throw that in there. The venomized She-Hulk shows up and so does Sabretooth. The two fight and Sabretooth rips a piece of the venomized flesh and takes it with him as he gets away. Walking away, Jennifer and the symbiote argue, and Jen runs into Jake Lockley, and he convinces her to go see Moon Knight. Next, over to Chinatown, we see Wolverine take out some thugs, and he reveals he's looking for Sabretooth. And that's how that book wraps up. Bob, let's talk about this thing. I think there's a lot to unpack here. (laughs) What about this story? Like, what about the beats here? It's very interesting It goes some really weird places. Mm -hmm. And I think like for me, it's very, very straightforward up until that third act. I'm thinking, you know, we're going to see Jen go meet up with Moon Knight and we're going to see what happens there and everything. And instead, you know, we leave that for a a later issue and we get a Wolverine reveal here. So it's really interesting the way it's laid out. I really like the curve in it. Like it was really interesting to me. Uh, What did you think about the story beats? Um, I thought the story beats were uh, pretty good. The only, I mean, the only kind of, the only issue I had was, I think, um, I think the office was kind of focused on a little too much. Mm-hmm. You know, it, I mean, it, it's kind of like we established that Jen was overworked. Mm-hmm. We didn't need to, you know, keep going back to that and keep showing it and keep showing it. Yeah, it is an interesting choice. I'll, I'll definitely give you that because uh, Jeremy's really setting up, you know, Jeremy and, and Jesus here are, are really setting up this thing about Jen. 
She's very, very overworked. She's very, very tired. I think the reason for that has to be the fact that she's essentially like letting the symbiote kind of take over whenever she's completely exhausted and tired. And of course we could get that out of just the, the implication that she's exhausted and tired. You're right. We don't have to see it so much, but I do think that it adds like a certain, I I don't know. It it adds something to this book for me because I'm, I'm with you on my first read. I kind of thought the same thing. I was like, why do we keep returning to this? I'm not understanding like what the point is, but it adds this extra layer. Like I'm really, really feeling her exhaust and everything through this. I'm feeling that, you know, Jen is such a strong character in the Marvel universe and, and she Hulk, you know, all together, such a, a strong character that you wouldn't imagine being sleepy or, or exhausted or whatever would, you know, kind of take her out of her role to where she couldn't control things or whatever. So to emphasize so much that she's so exhausted here and, and also bonded with the symbiote at the same time, I guess it's just trying to show us that side. I don't know. It worked for me. I could definitely see, you know, why it, it you thought they should have held back on it a little bit. I'm right. not disagreeing at all. And I thought the other couple of things that were kind of weird mm-hmm. and um, they may expound upon this in the uh, in the subsequent issues. Mm-hmm. The whole, you know, Sabretooth just showing up out of nowhere. That was kind of weird cuz I, I mean, I was reading it and, you know, it it you know, with the whole Jake Lockley and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff, which I didn't, I didn't totally mind, but the Saber Two thing, it was kind of like, really, out of nowhere, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, Saber Two hasn't even been mentioned at all in the book, and then just all of a sudden, you know, he comes in, and then the, uh, yeah, the Wolverine cameo at the end. That was, I don't know, that was just a little bit weird to me. That was the whole, you got Sabretooth, you got to have Wolverine. (laughs) I think, you know, they're definitely setting up for, obviously, the symbiote to, you know, in in my opinion, what's going to be happening here, and, you know, this is probably a spoiler for for later issues, is that the symbiote's going to be introduced to different hosts throughout this, and he's going to see stronger, or or it's going to see stronger hosts that it wants to attach to. So right now it's attached to... Uh, you know, Jen Walters as She-Hulk, and then it's going to see Wolverine and want to, you know, jump over to him and 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 go on. So there is going to be, you know, have to be some through line here where they, you know, introduce these characters and they meet up and and. Oh yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. And I don't know if you saw the um, because you actually have a variant cover mm-hmm. of the What If Venom, but um, and I'm sure you did as. You know, you picked my book up since mm-hmm. I couldn't yesterday. Um, I don't know if you, I don't know how much you paid attention to it, but it does have, like it has, you know, in the picture it has, you know, part of Thor and mm-hmm. it has part of Doctor Strange and it has part of Wolverine. So, you know, I'm pretty sure, you know, all that is going to play a part, you know, the different heroes, you know, um, you know, blood samples from different heroes. Yeah, and what Jeremy explained on on his episode, or, or sorry, excuse me, on their episode of the podcast during that interview process was that the 
yeah, it, it's all revealed on that cover there. On that regular A cover, we have, you know, what if, and, and it's the symbiote bonding with these different characters. So you have Loki, you have Moon Knight, Wolverine, Doctor Strange, and She-Hulk. So, yeah, that's that's already out there you know the second the cover reveal that that was who the symbiote was going to be bonding with throughout these issues so yeah i i think this was the only time we'll see she hulk bonded with the venom symbiote and the next issue we'll get wolverine uh, or or possibly moon knight maybe the wolverine will be like the last one or something i don't know could could be very interesting the way that that they do this i'm excited to see where it goes uh, i think it's very interesting how about the dialogue bob what did you think about the dialogue in this book, these characters' voices, you know Jennifer Walters pretty well, Sabretooth, uh, Wolverine. Um, how, how did you feel about the See, dialogue? And I, I especially like Jennifer Walters because mm-hmm. I know that Jennifer Walters can be, you know, more of like a lighthearted, you know, she breaks the fourth wall and yep. whatnot. And I do, I do like the whole thing of even though she's bonded with the symbiote and the symbiote is you know taking over at times she still has the lightheartedness of like oh what now no you mm-hmm. know stuff like that i mean she's not panicking or anything it's just like oh, i gotta do this again <laughs> i'm with you i really like those two talking together i do too that I, I don't know what you call it whenever it happens with Venom. Uh, is it supposed to be a, a eternal I'm saying, monologue? Yeah, but I'm saying like, inner monologue. Yeah, it's it's super interesting the way that Jennifer talks to to the symbiote, because like you said, it's almost like this. It's not lazy, but it's it's kind of like yeah, I can whatever you know. And I, yeah, and I mean <laughs> she she's not panicking. No, not she's at all. She's not getting angry. Yeah, you're not getting that traditional like Eddie Brock type of thing that we got. Yeah. You know, when we were first introduced and, I, and everything. I'm, I'm sure most people, you know, most superheroes, if they were bonded to the Venom symbiote, would mm-hmm. be freaking out. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She-Hulk is a much more easy breezy. I mean, look at what she had to go through with her blood transfusion, you know, <laughs> and turn into Hulk and everything. Uh, really, really cool and uh, interesting. Yeah, I, I like the dialogue here. I think it works really, really well. There's... I... I think that, you know, in in certain parts, you know, maybe in the office scenes and stuff like that, I would say it could almost like borderline a little predictable. I don't have a problem with that, though. I think that that works. Uh, we're not here to see that side of Jennifer. You know, her is like the attorney at law and everything. We're here to see, you know, that setup that she's really exhausted. And that's why, you know, she's at the point where the symbiote is able to take over. So... Like, while it might get a little tropey at certain points, I think that it really fits the story, and I still like it a lot. I did just want to point that out. That's that's something. It's not something I have a problem with, though. So how about the narrative structure of this book, Bob? Narratively, uh, you know, you know, this book, it, it's, it's interesting. It's different. Uh, we know what to expect with a Venom book mm-hmm. already. Uh, we kind of know what to expect with a She-Hulk book. And... I, I mean, you know, every what if story is definitely different, but we kind of, you know, what to know what to expect there as well. So this is really interesting. It doesn't have that traditional She-Hulk that we're used to. Of course, this cover I have is breaking the fourth wall, but nothing in the book really is. Narratively, it, it narratively it follows, you know, how Eddie Brock got symbiote. Yep. 
You know, I mean, Pete Parker was trying to get rid of it, mm-hmm. and you know, it felt all the rage and anger from Eddie Brock and bonded to him. You know, whereas, um, you know, um, Eddie Brock's in the church mm-hmm. trying to uh, trying to you know kill himself, and the Ven- Venom symbiote feels you know all the you know emotions and anger from just. Jen being just worn out and nobody really appreciating her at mm-hmm. work. So, you know, if I, so narratively it kind of follows that same path. Yeah, I think this was one of the most interesting points of the book is this narrative here is, is like you said, we're taking Jennifer kind of out of her normal role mm-hmm. where, I mean, of, of course, you know, you read She-Hulk, you read the current run of She-Hulk, uh, all you know, She-Hulk in the past, even the, you know, Disney Plus show and stuff. There's different portrayals of She-Hulk, of course, of Jennifer. A lot of times that character is very jovial, breaking the fourth wall and stuff, but she's gone up against some real serious stuff as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, the last run was almost like a a superhero romance, which was cool. There's some really cool stuff you can do with Jennifer, but not to say that I've never seen this overworked, like exhausted side of Jennifer, because we have, we've even seen that in the show. But I really like the way it's portrayed here. I think that it works really, really well. And again, for her to have that guard completely down for the symbiote to kind of swoop in and, and take over. And I really like the implications. I like that, you know, at least in my mind, that's why uh, the symbiote's going to be jumping ship with Jennifer and then moving on to somebody else next issue is it just sees, you know, these as like, all right, that's going to be a better bond for me. I'm going to be able to accomplish this, you know, if I jump from here to here. I like that about uh, the symbiote. I think that that's cool. It, I get why they didn't do that with, you know, Eddie Brock in the first place, but you know, it took more time and bonded for a long time and all of that. But you would think if you were a symbiote from, from uh, that planet and everything, you know, and you came down to earth with all these superheroes and stuff, why the hell wouldn't you want to bond with like the most powerful <laughs> beings? This is true. Versus just a normal dude. Who's like a, you know, kind of angry or whatever. Um, Really interesting, though. I like the narrative a lot. How about the world building? We're familiar with all these worlds. They're fleshed out in different ways. But yeah, we're getting that Venom origin story with Eddie Brock and everything. And then it's turned on its head and goes to She-Hulk here. And we're in New York City, um, you know, where where, where this exists. And where, you know, New York City is very fleshed out in Marvel Comics already. Mm-hmm. And it it really kind of stays there for the the whole issue. But, you know, as far as like building this world of, of uh, Venomized She-Hulk in this first issue, what did you think? I thought I, I really have no opinion either one way or the other. I, mm-hmm. I mean, I think it did its job. You know, I think, you know, you said it right. You know, it takes place in New York. By now we're definitely familiar with the different locales. And, mm-hmm. uh, the Marvel Universe, New York. Yeah, I think the world building definitely worked for me. It they did a great job with it. Uh, Jeremy really knows this uh, you know corner of the Marvel universe very well, and you know it seems very lived in and introduces our characters in that way. Yeah, I, I think it works really well. I especially like the Central Park scene. I know you weren't the hugest fan of Sabretooth coming out of nowhere, but. I really did like that scene. I liked the world building around that and everything. I think that it worked really, really well. So, uh, 
yeah, and 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 all I think that the you know the the story beats and the writing and everything was was really good here. Uh, let's move over to the art by Jesus Herbaz. Let's talk about the character art here. And again, we've talked about Jesus before. This is I I don't know. I mean, compared to anything else Jesus has done, I would not have picked this out of a lineup. I wouldn't I wouldn't know that Jesus did this. Uh, it doesn't look quite the same as as invasive. Definitely doesn't look quite the same as Marvel Unleashed. Just got a different spin. So what did you think about the characters in this box? Okay, as, as far as the characters, um, first off, I will say I love the design of She-Hulk Venom. <laughs> yeah, I, very I, I cool, do, huh? I do enjoy the design of that. Um, I kind of wish the characters were a little especially you know facial wise a mm -hmm. little more refined mm -hmm. okay you know if, if that makes sense just a little more um just a little more detail oriented okay and i'm not gonna disagree with you i could see where you know some of that isn't quite coming through i think this is a very different style for jesus it's like a very painted look it's it's definitely not what we're used to from Jesus's other projects. Mm. With that being said, I actually really like this style a lot. Uh, again, like I didn't, it didn't stand out to me that it was Jesus that, that did this. And, you know, once I looked and, and saw that the credit was given to Jesus, I was like, this is actually really cool. It shows like a wide range of versatility for sure. And I like it. It's, it's different. I'm looking at this splash right now. It's, you know, very cartoony. Uh, something very different it almost fits into a Saturday morning cartoon vibe to mm -hmm. me, but I, I actually really, really like it a lot. And again, it's showing like a wide range of versatility for Jesus for me. And yeah, I, I appreciate this a lot. So I really like the character art. I, you know, when I, when I opened the book and, and got to the first page there and we're seeing Jennifer in the, in the city, you know, in her office building and everything, I thought, this has such a weird 80s look and vibe and everything, too. Yeah, it's it's yeah, very I, I, different. I, I was definitely thinking of, when, when I first cracked open this book, I was definitely thinking, you know, 1980s office building. Yeah, and uh, of course it's, you know, now, you know, looking at it, New York City then, um, and of course this being then whenever uh, uh, Eddie Brock was first bonded with the symbiote, so, you know, that's when we're taking place. Yeah, I think that the vibes fit perfectly with this character art. I think it's really cool. I like it a lot. Um, I will, I will definitely say that. How about the backgrounds, Bob? I, I think that this passes your background test uh, to a T. But I'll let you be the judge of that. I mean, for the most part, it does. But I, I, ju I just don't know. I was reading this book, and you know, it, it was kind of like I was thinking to myself. Backgrounds and art really fit this book. Mm -hmm. You know, was my only issue. And I mean, we we both said it. We we both like Jesus's uh, art. Yes, definitely. I mean, you know, invasive. I think it's a gorgeous book. Mm -hmm. But you know, for for invasive, you know, the art is gorgeous. But it, it's kind of like for this book, does this art fit this book? Does it fit the tone? 
And, you know, one thing, and I, I said it for the uh, character designs, too. Um, and I've got it open to the um, page where the group is standing around the fire. Mm-hmm. I would like to see a little more cleaned up detail on that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just, it just personally, and don't get me wrong. I mean, I think, I think this art is very good, but just for, for some reason, it just didn't match the tone of the story to me. I could see certain elements of that. I think, you know, going back to the backgrounds here, I almost feel like Jesus is kind of playing a little bit with like Marvel comic stereotypes from the relative time periods is, is kind of what I'm getting out of it. I like it a lot. I, I, I will say that. And, and again, maybe some of that is, is painted with the lens of that. I like seeing Jesus's versatility Mm-hmm. Um, and seeing what Jesus is able to do, because like you said, going from Marvel Unleashed to Invasive to this, like they're all very, very different, showing off a wide range of, of capabilities and right. tones and everything right. there. Uh, but I, I do like the backgrounds. I feel like even though, you know, some of them um, could possibly leave stuff to be desired, they're very fleshed out. There's a lot in there. They're packed. You're not seeing any solid color panels or anything like that. There's a lot of stuff going on in the background. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I I personally like it. I, I like this stylistic choice that Jesus is going with on, on all of this. With that being said, I could see where it's not, you know, the same level as maybe Marvel Unleashed or Invasive or, or some of the other stuff that we've seen Jesus do. Mm-hmm. But I think that, uh, again, trying to relate it to those relative time periods throughout Marvel might be what Jesus is doing here. And that's kind of what I'm getting from it. So how about the locations? You know, we're in New York. Um, We have the office buildings. We have Central Park. We have, uh, you know, the church. Um, You know, I could go on and on, but we have all of these. uh, Which, again, by now we're from, I mean, when it comes to New York City, you, I mean, pretty much every superhero, you know, in Marvel is, um, based in new york city Mm -hmm. so there really is no part of the city that fans and readers don't know by now yeah exactly we should be able to say uh we visited new york without actually having to go there at this point (laughs) i visited hell's kitchen without going (laughs) there i went to chinatown today bob it was uh it was very interesting i saw a man beat up a bunch of thugs but (laughs) yeah um I, I will I will say, you know, for me, the locations worked very, very well. I liked mm-hmm. kind of like it almost felt like globetrotting, even though we were in one city, um, which I, I know, you know, New York can feel like because it has all the you know little stuff going on or whatever. But, uh, yeah, I liked this adventure. Um, I liked how we went from all these different places and, and they were all showcased in different ways. I think that, you know, the locations definitely really worked for me very well. So I'll say that. Last but not least, of course, we need to get into the colors, the colorist. Uh, Bob, if you want to give the colorist name a shot there, I definitely won't even attempt. I'm going to say C.C. De La Cruz. Oh, okay, well, you make it sound much easier than, than it looks. <laughs> but uh, how'd you feel about the colors in this book, Bob? I thought um, it, it was kind of odd seeing the, um, I don't know if you picked up on this, but the two different color tones. Mm-hmm. Um you know, we get in the office building. Um, let me open up. We get kind of more of a uh, 
I guess you would say a muted tone. Mm -hmm. And, you know, then we get outside the office building and it almost seems like the colors brighten up a little. Yeah, they definitely do. Uh, Throughout this book, a a lot of the stuff does that. Uh, Again, like I, I think that, you know, relating it to the relative time periods and everything, the art changes. I think the colors change, like a lot of stuff changes. It feels like almost like the creators are taking, you know, paying homage to to this time to the relative time periods or whatever Mm -hmm. but yeah the colors were i I think you know when i first looked at the book i was not 100 percent sold on the colors i think it was one thing that kind of stood out to me right has this really painterly look to it and the Mm -hmm. colors like just kind of almost seemed like they didn't mesh too well looking at it a second time and looking at it again and all of that like I, i really am enjoying the colors i think that the the palette's really nice it works really well. It's it's a little bit unconventional, um, but I think I do want that darker muted tone for a Venom book, so I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of weird to see She-Hulk in that, uh, you know, uh, color palette. It's very interesting. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we're used to those very very vibrant purples that and, vi- and greens. That vibrant radioactive yep. green. Yeah, it's it's so weird that it's muted here, but mm-hmm. yeah, it it definitely works very very well. I don't know. I, I, I personally like it. I, I think that it's a good choice. Um, how about this, Bob? I think that, you know, this will this will be interesting because I, I we have some different thoughts on this book and everything. Is this enough to to have you recommend issue number two to our readers, our listeners? <laughs> I would recommend it, but I don't think I'll recommend it to myself, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It does. Not not particularly for you, but uh, you you don't see anything necessarily wrong with the book. It's just no. not your cup of tea. No. <laughs> okay. Understood. Now, and I will say this. I usually try not to dig into reviews online and stuff, especially I don't want like my uh, view to be skewed at all of the book uh, before we go into it or anything. But I did just kind of want to know what people were saying online. And, you know, we, we use uh, Comic Geek, um, uh, League of Comic Geeks. You know, we, we like to use that app to look at books that are coming out and stuff. And it's it's a nice platform because it's like an all-in-one. It's got comic book reviews, comic book discussions. You can go into a deep dive of, like, creators and, and timelines and FOCs and all of that stuff. So it's a really cool app uh, if you guys haven't, you know, checked that out. Again, not sponsored by, but <laughs> gladly would be. But um, uh, definitely check that app out. But... You know, one of the things that's that's really cool on there is is you do have that one stop shop for reviews also. So you can click on an issue and, and people can give their reviews and it kind of does the the meta score type of thing uh, mm-hmm. or Metacritic type of thing where it takes those scores and, you know, makes an overall score of the, the user scores and everything. Um, so this one's actually, you know, it's trending kind of lower than than what you see uh, from from a title like this. It's, it's sitting at like 85 right now. Uh, which is, you know, not n- by any means bad at all. Uh, very good. You know, 85. What is it, 85 in school? Like a B, right? <laughs> um, um, I think in the current grade scale, it, from what I remember, it might be a B. Yeah, I, I believe a B. But uh, yeah, I I would say, you know, it, it's it's trending lower than, than what you would expect from, from something like this, what you normally mm-hmm. see. And, you know, a lot of people are talking about the execution. They're like, this is a great idea. They didn't quite like the execution and all of that. So I will say this. Um, I just wanted to know what those were like. But for me personally, 
I, I really like this a lot. I really uh, appreciated how we went through the different time periods to get here. I really like what I think that Jeremy's setting up for the Venom symbiote. I liked this a lot. I thought it was really, really cool. And I'm excited to see, you know, what happens next in the series. So I absolutely recommend you guys pick it up. And I'll definitely be picking up issue number two. I could see where it's not for everybody. Absolutely. Um, but a very, very interesting book. Very different than than what you might think that you're getting out of a What If Venom series. And yeah, like I said, with, with the execution there, it, it absolutely worked for me. It, I could see where it's not going to work for everybody. So this might not be a book for everybody. It's definitely a book for me. And I would like to point out too, this is, you know, Jeremy has worked in comics for, for a little bit. Definitely. This is Jeremy's first Marvel comic. So uh, Jeremy's first, uh, you know, run in, in, into Marvel comics and, and going through all that and everything. Um, I, yeah, I absolutely suggest you guys give it a chance, give it a shot, see what you think about it. You don't have much to lose here. Um, but I, I really liked it a lot and I will continue on issue number two and I hope you guys do as well. But those are our mixed reviews this time. So uh, yeah, that happens sometimes. <laughs> um, we're going to take a quick break and we'll return in just a moment. Do you listen to albums start to finish? Do you love concept albums? Are you always the first one at a party to bring up King Gizzard? Say no more. The Album Concept Hour podcast has everything you need. We have hot takes. I it's like know. Voltron. It's just like Voltron. Ah. It's like Voltron with jazz. This is, this is emo. This yeah. is uh, this is Willie Nelson's emo trip. Bad improv attempts. That was that was. <laughs> Let's all British. do our best Aussie accent. Let's not. Let's alienate all the Australians. <laughs> and sometimes we even learn something. As they listened again and again to the song in the control room, Axel started saying, where do we go? Where do we go now? Where do we go? Shut up. Spencer turned down the music and said, why don't you just try singing that? And thus the last <laughs> part oh of the song God. was born. Listen to the album Concept Hour wherever you listen to podcasts. And we are back with episode number 59 of the all new, all different number one comics podcast here to talk to you about some books that are dropping in local comic book shops next week. But before we do that, we have a very, very special disclaimer time with Bob. As always, these are just a handful of the books that are coming out. So if you want a more in-depth list, please consult elsewhere, call your local comic shop. Um, anything else? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's tons of things you can do. You can send a letter and a bottle, throw it out into the ocean. We got Harry Potter owls. Uh, we Still waiting to see one of those, by we, the way. I, hey, they're coming, Bob. Don't worry. There's helicopters, you know, circling the house outside, I guess, looking for a serial killer. You could probably ask them. Has Amazon got drones yet? Oh, I'm sure. Right. Uh, how could they not? Uh, do, I, I'm pretty sure like Kroger has drones or something. So maybe it was oh, Walmart. Wow. I don't know. But yeah, uh, uh, there's there's plenty of ways. One of the ways that Bob and I like to uh, find out about new books that are coming out every week is we'd like to hit up our local comic book shop in Jacksonville, Florida, Gotham City Limit. And uh, we'd like to, you know, get on the phone with Ben or Jonathan, especially, you know, 11, 1130 in the morning mm -hmm. on Wednesday, uh, new release comic book day, just to, you know, Call them up, chat for a little bit while they're trying to check out customers and talk about all the new books that are coming out and everything. So if you guys live in Jacksonville, Florida, 
make sure you give Ben a call on Wednesday morning at you know 11, 11.15 and ask him about all the new comic books that are coming out that week. Make sure you use please and thank you. Banners go a long way in this world. They go Still. a long way, absolutely. And tell them, Bob, from the All New All Different Number One Comics podcast sent you. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, so starting off the list, from Image Comics, we have Void Rivals number seven. That's right. A book that Bob's going to love. This one's got a first appearance of Proximus, yes. a hunter in the wastelands. Now, Bob, is Proximus supposed to be uh, a character of something that we know of, or is it a new character? There was a Proximus in Transformers continuity, but I don't think it's the same character. You know, I don't know enough about how Void Rivals works. I'm not sure. You know, they introduced the whole Energon universe or whatever, but I guess it's not like a Transformers book or a G.I. Joe book or anything. It's just a some other book. I don't, I don't know. I never read any of it. So Right. It's it's just two it's just two rivals from separate worlds. I see. Pretty much. Uh going to DC we have Suicide Squad Kill Arkham Asylum number two. This one includes a code for the Great White Shark Weapon Digital Token Redeemed in the Kill the Justice League video game. And if that sounded like, you know, random word salad it was, I have no idea what the hell they're even talking about. Which I still have yet to play that game. Well. <laughs> uh, we have, which is an odd one to me, from Marvel Comics, we have Aliens What If number one. This is a limited series that questions what would have occurred if Carter Brooke from, is that how you say that? Burke. Okay, Burke, sorry. Uh, from Aliens survived the events of Hadley's Hope, co-written by Paul Reiser, the actor who portrayed Brooke, 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 Burke, Burke. That is kind of an interesting nugget and one I did not know about, that Paul Reiser is actually co-writing on the comic for the character that Paul Reiser portrayed in Aliens. Right, pretty interesting. It's just like uh, Amy Jo Johnson co-writing on that uh, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers book. You know? Or Amon Bellani uh, yep. co-writing on Miss Marvel. Yeah, very cool. Very, very fun time in comics. That, the, yeah, that that is that I, that is always kudos in my book. Yep, whenever. I agree. I like it. They do that. Uh, sticking with Marvel, we have Giant Size Spider-Gwen number one. This one has the first appearance of Orlando Octavius, the adopted son of Dr. Octopus. Again, more alliteration. Oh, yeah. Well, you got to have them. I mean, you have Otto Octavius, <laughs> Orlando Octavius. Uh, have they introduced the mother yet? Oh, I don't know. Good question. Uh, Ophelia <laughs> Octavius? Yeah, I'm trying to think of another O name. Who knows? Um, yeah, I can't really think of <laughs> Uh, we have Weapon X-Men number one. This is a four-issue limited series that unites a multiverse of Wolverines. Yes, yeah, so that should be very very violent. Yeah, I would imagine so. We have a new number one, Miss Marvel Mute Menace number one. You know, I always knew Iman Volani was a menace ever since I saw her <laughs> debut. <laughs> no, she's wonderful, and uh, I love her portrayal of the character, and I love that she's co-writing this uh, Miss Marvel book over here. So, really, really cool. 
It was it was weird when she was an Inhuman. Nobody cares. Mm-hmm. When she was an X Men, she's a menace. Right. <laughs> or when she's a mutant, she's a menace. Uh, we have Ultimate X Men number one. So excited for this one, Bob. I've read, of course, all the Ultimate books up till this point. They've all been really good so far. I've really enjoyed them. And this one is actually written and illustrated by Peach Momoko. The whole series is going to be. And yeah, it's got the first full appearance of Maystorm. I'm pretty sure this is going to be your hot book of the week, just as the last two Ultimate books have been. So you might want to go ahead and hit up your local comic book shop now and tell them to reserve you a copy. Because if you think you're just walking in and grabbing one, everybody before you is going to walk in and grab five. So Yeah, the return of the Ultimate Universe has been very <laughs> and finally from dc comics we have batman first night number one and let me get back on my soapbox about magazine sized books this sounds great you know this sounds fun it's revisiting the early days of batman in 1939 i think you know everybody loves batman and everybody wants to see batman's origins revisited again and again and again endlessly day after day and i get that and i'm fine with that and it sounds cool i actually want to read it as well I'm really tired of the magazine style. Like, there's nowhere to put it. It sucks. You have to get a whole new box for it. I don't... Who, who wants these? Stop doing them. Please. Please stop doing them. Yeah. Um, uh, just, just real quick. Uh, when our uh, local comic shop, Gotham City Limits, had their last Ronin exclusive cover. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it, it's kind of like he didn't have a bag for it. Yep. <laughs> You know, those are different kinds of bags, uh-huh. and it's kind of like, uh, I it's kind of like they won't fit in my comic box. Mm-hmm. They're too tall and a little too wide. So, yeah, I can't say I blame you on those magazine size. Yeah, I mean, there's there's nothing wrong with just printing a normal comic book. I, right. I see no right. no problem with that. But right, where again, more words on the page. Yeah, but who are we? So. There's that. Excuse me. Have to yawn there. <clears throat> I have to yawn at the uh, magazine-sized comic books. It's so it's so boring to me. So it makes me tired. I mean that that <laughs> that was an appropriate spot to yawn. I agree. Uh, Bob, we've got three books on the wheel here to spend mm. for next week to decide what book we're gonna do. And of course, as always, this wheel is brought to you by the lovely wheelofnames.com. Uh, no sponsorship, might I add, as, as usual. Uh, one day we'll turn that around, and mm-hmm. Wheel of Names will come begging to be a sponsor on this show. But until then, we will actively sponsor them for no charge whatsoever. <laughs> uh, yeah, so three books on the wheel here. We have The Last Mermaid. Again, such a tragedy that I lost that interview. I'm so sad about it. Yeah. I'm kind of rooting for The Last Mermaid here. I'm not going to lie. I want to cover it. I want it to be amazing because I just want to say, Derek, I'm so sorry I lost your interview. But in all fairness, we also have Weapon X-Men number one and Golgotha Motor Mountain number one on the wheel as well. I think I said that name correct. I don't know. You can correct me. Uh, Golgotha. If, it, if it's anything like the big biblical city, Golgotha. Ah, uh, okay. Golgotha. Golgotha Motor Mountain number one, which is uh, written by Lonnie Nadler, who did The Sickness, who, of course, you and I interviewed a while back. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so that's pretty cool. Bob, I'm going to go ahead and spin the wheel here, see where it lands. Uh, I don't know. I'm pretty excited about this one. It looks like 
you know, there's not really any way to lose. Um, and it looks like we are covering Lonnie Nadler's book, Golgotha, Motor Mountain, number one. That will be our book next week. Uh, hey, and hopefully you guys will hear an interview from <laughs> Derek Kirk Kim. You know, maybe it'll be a short five-minute interview, but maybe we'll be able to get something on there if Derek doesn't kill me in the process <laughs> for losing that interview. If I'm doing this solo next week, you know what happens. <laughs> yeah, uh, sadly, you do. But that about wraps us up, Bob. I want to say thank you guys so much for joining us today. Thank you for uh, listening to the podcast. Of course, you can check us out on the internet where we post, I don't know, pictures and memes and silly things on Instagram at ANAD underscore number one comics podcast on X at ANAD comic pod on TikTok at ANAD sorry, number one comic. Let me try that again on TikTok at ANAD number one comics pod and on YouTube under the comic book channel. This and every single week, we really are trying to give you guys a free copy of a comic book. Uh, all you have to do is use the hashtag all new, all different nation on a post social media of your choice to be entered in our giveaway. Use that hashtag all new, all different nation. And thank you guys so much for tuning in. We'll see you. <laughs>